The Juke with Dr. Jen Welter. I am your host, Mitch Milani, joined by, of course, the one and only Dr. Jen Welter. We are here to discuss Tom Brady, not leaving anybody alone, talking about this and that and saying this quarterback sucks. And now he's saying it's coming to the end. We'll talk about that in just a second. We're also going to discuss Zach Ertz close to coming to the Buffalo Bills, potentially in a trade. Stephon Gilmore is upset with Bill Belichick and the Patriots and a lot more. Jen, first, before we get to Tom Brady, I want to talk to you about your weekend and what happened. I know that you ran into Justin Jefferson. (laughs) Look, so I was getting gritty all weekend with Justin Jefferson. It was pretty dope. We did a challenge to see if we could get the most kids to get gritty. Um, I found out some great facts on him. Doing the research on him was fun, Mitch. Turns out he's been a competitor since birth. And he first in like fourth grade was number three out of 3.5 million kids across the country in the punt passing kick. And now, of course, you know, my mind automatically goes, wait so he can pass and so I asked him do you think that you could still compete on that level today and he said yeah definite competitor in this one and I said if you had to choose whether you were now going to have to punt pass or kick which one would it be and he informed me it would without a doubt be a pass and that we should look for the Vikings to put something like that in this year Let's transition into Tom Brady, the GOAT, whatever you're going to call him. Tom Brady has now come out suggesting that his future in the NFL is coming to an end. And Jen, as a Patriots fan, as a Tom Brady fan, I cannot tell you how many times I have seen an interview where Tom Brady was asked this question or when Tom Brady says it's coming to an end. Now, what we speculated as Patriots fans is that Tom Brady's end will come when Giselle wants it to end. Do you think, Jen, it is the end for Tom Brady? Mitch, right now, I feel like we're getting a whole lot of goat's milk from Tom Brady. Like he is milking every single headline that he can possibly get in. But I am going to say it probably is based a lot on the patience of Giselle and when she does want her quarterback back because anybody who's been around this game knows it is more than a 24-7 job. It is a 24-7-7 job. I think we're going to see Tom Brady. If they win, it's going to be really hard for him to retire. So it reminds me of going all the way back to deflate gate when we mm. could not get off Tom Brady's balls, right? Like they <laughs> would give us updates to tell us that there was no update. Like we do not have a squish test. By we the have- way, Jen, we still don't have any information that suggests that he deflated footballs or any information to suggest that the suspension even made any sense. But you know what did come out of that situation that I think we're kind of seeing like more of Tom Brady nowadays? I remember there was a specific thing that came out when it were in regards to his emails. And it was an email between Tom Brady and his dad, like from way back. I don't know. This was like, I think, want to say 2013, 2014 range. He was talking about Peyton Manning and comparing him to Peyton Manning and saying Peyton was going to be done soon because of his arm strength and all this stuff. And he was kind of taking jabs at like Peyton Manning, one of his rivals, but also one of his friends. Right. And it turned out to be true. But this is kind of the Tom Brady we're seeing now. It's like the unfiltered Tom Brady. It's like the emails come to life, Tom Brady. 
Right. And, and those emails are telling, and you said that he was, you know, throwing some jabs at some other quarterbacks, Mitch, what did you think about those jabs that he was throwing? Was there any truth to him or, or was he just throwing a little shade? I think a lot of it stemmed from, he wasn't getting enough recognition or love from Bill Belichick in that way of like, yes, you are different. You're the goat, like, give me my due. And I just think now he's kind of like, yeah, I'm this guy. Like, I'm not going to really say it publicly, but I'll say it in a different way. And I think there was a lot of teams that he was interested in. I think there was the Niners were one of them. I think the Saints were one of them. And I don't know which quarterback he's really talking about. Some people say it was Jimmy G. Some people say it was Mitchell Trubisky. A lot of people were saying and throwing out different ideas there, but I just think it really comes down to like Brady just having that chip on his shoulder still of being like, F you because I'm going to go to Tampa and win the Super Bowl, like that sort of thing. It would make a lot of sense to me if it was Mitch Trevinsky, for example. I mean, that that we could all see, like if they, they yeah. decided to stick with him. OK, but I don't see that he would have wanted to go to Chicago in the first place. The one that would make sense to me would be Jimmy G. And you think it would? The 49ers. It could if they're not tight and he got rid of him once and everybody said he was buried behind Brady and this, that, and the other. That's mm-hmm. a team that quarterbacks would want to go to. So I could see it being Jimmy G, especially if it was, you know, we remember the narrative of, oh, he was wasted in New England and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Wasted. Yeah. Belichick really wanted him and wanted to trade Brady and. Yep. Okay. I can buy it. I think some people have made good points about it possibly not being Jimmy G just because they have the same agent and like business wise, Brady saying that out loud wouldn't be like him. Eventually it will come out. I think the person that it was probably knows who it is. For sure they do. And the team knows for sure. The team for sure knows who it is. And they're like, oh man. (laughs) Getting back to the, it's coming to an end conversation just a little bit. I do think for Tom Brady, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I just can't picture Tom Brady without an injury being bad at football. Like I can't just see age taking him from this level to that level because to start with, he physically has never been the best quarterback in the league anyways. So what would really have to happen is for some reason, his arm completely falls off in terms of his ability to throw And you could argue last year, he was better at that than the year before. So really like, I just, it has to be some sort of injury thing, or it's just going to be Tom Brady just saying goodbye, still being a pretty good player. That's most likely what's going to happen. And if that's the case, like this Bucks team is going to be really, really good the next two years. And it's going to be really difficult for Tom Brady to say goodbye Unless he goes out, I feel like like Drew Brees, he's going to have to have his last game be like a bad game. You know, I hope it doesn't have to. I hope it doesn't have to be a bad game to say it's been enough. I don't want to see him win a last Super Bowl kind of limping through it like Peyton did. Yeah, I mean, Peyton couldn't throw the ball 20 yards. No, no, it was bad. And I, I certainly hope that Brady does not go out and go down like that. I hope not, but just knowing, like, feeling like I understand the competitor and seeing him play all these years, it just feels like, and I think Brady has said this himself, he's not going to retire until he sucks. And I understand his goal is, like, 
45 years old. I think that's been his goal the whole time is like to prove that he can play to 45 because you have to think about it. Like his whole next stage in life is that TB12 brand. And that brand stems off of his success on the field at an older age. Right. So and being able to extend your legacy through nutrition and training. And, and I get that. You're probably very right. I will probably not tune into that last game so that it <laughs> decimates my mental picture of him, or I'll have to go back and watch old games just to get it to a race. I think about it and it's hard because you've got it until you don't. And you really talking to some of these guys who played ridiculously long careers, right? Talking to Damon Allen, he was like, there was a time. And I just knew it, right? Yeah. And Warren said it. Warren Moon said, like, when I started resenting the work, that's when I knew it wasn't time for me anymore. If Tom Brady gets to that point, right? Like, right now, part of the reason why that team is, is great is because of his leadership in his work ethic. But if he starts to get to that point where it's like, oh, I can't believe I have to go to practice, then that magic starts to go away. And that's what you hear from a lot of the guys when it's just like, you know, it's it's to the end. We have a guy in Tom Brady who has won a lot of Super Bowls. We're going to transition to a team that has won absolutely zero Super Bowls. <laughs> I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills, mm -hmm. another older player in Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz could potentially be on his way to Buffalo to give this offense a little bit of a veteran boost, a nice complimentary in the middle of the field playmaker for the Buffalo Bills. This is a team for a long time that has really been adding around Josh Allen, whether it's been on the offensive line to start or then adding a Stephon Diggs and a Cole Beasley at wide receiver recently in Emmanuel Sanders. So they're kind of gathering these older proven players. And now they're looking to add a tight end into the mix where I feel like Dawson Knox has not really been getting it done. They're starting tight end from a season ago, young player. I do think they're looking to upgrade that position. I'm not sure how much Zach Ertz has left, but I wouldn't say it would be a bad move for any team to bring him in as a complimentary piece. So Jen, What's your thoughts on potentially Zach Ertz to the Bills? I like the move. You know, obviously, like you said, this is veteran leadership and it's also skill and it's a big target. He's always going to be a guy who can get it done, even if it's not the it level that he once had. And if you have younger guys that a veteran can come in and also help level them up, then even those guys who are borderline, right, or younger are going to have easier matchups because if you have one guy who can roll on the defense and likely take it, you're going to put it to the more veteran guy. Yeah, I think whenever you're adding, just especially at positions of need, which I would consider tight end a position of need for Buffalo, but I just like stacking up receiver weapons on a team, especially in this day and age where the more threats you have, the better, the more different type of players you have. Like the way I think of a receiving core is the same way I think of a basketball team. Like you want to have like a point guard, you want to have a power forward, you want to have a center, like different sizes, different skills and different matchups that you can take advantage of. And again, I don't think Zach Ertz is anywhere near his prime, but in Buffalo, as opposed to a place like Philadelphia, he's not going to have to be like taking double teams and, and really like taking the best safety from the opposing team or whatever it is. He's going to probably be playing on a linebacker or somebody of that nature. And I think a big thing with Buffalo later in the season, we saw Cole Beasley get hurt and that really hurt their production in the AFC championship and later in the season. And they added Emmanuel Sanders and now they've potentially added Zach Ertz. That will help that middle of the field 
that route running there and, and just get open. And Zach Ertz, like this guy right here is Jason Witten. I mean, Jason Witten played how many years where he couldn't run, but how many catches did he make underneath the defense, just getting open in key spots. So if Zach Ertz can do that with Stefan Diggs and Beasley and Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, he could just be a nice little addition there. He absolutely will be. And also one of the things that you said, you said underneath the coverages, which is great, but he's also going to be a big red zone target for them. Right. right. When you have a small, hard to cover receiver like Cole Beasley in that slot, if mm -hmm. you can put a big target also in that red zone, then what you have is a real challenge because you have to pick your poison and having Stefan Diggs, uh, that's poison, right? It's like, you have a big, well, you have to, you have to take him out. Like right. you can't. Yeah, you have to. And now you have a like if you looked at snakes, right? We have Cobra over here with Stefan Diggs. Now you've got a little pit viper with Cole Beasley. And now you have a boa constrictor with Zach Ertz, right? Like you're not going to be able to divide the resources and take on all of that different weaponry in a small area because tight ends become very, very powerful, especially in that red zone. And especially when you're going to have to double um, Stefan Diggs. Final note here in terms of news is that the New Orleans Saints have signed their premier all pro right tackle Ryan Ramscheck to a five year contract extension worth $96 million with 60 million guaranteed, which is the key number there. It would make him the highest paid right tackle in the NFL. Obviously, he is vital to this team this offensive line to Sean Payton's offense to now Jameis Winston protecting him. I felt while everybody would talk about Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara and Drew Brees, of course, they should be talked about, but I felt really this last since 2017, this last run for the saints has been all about that strength of the offensive line, specifically the two tackles with Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramscheck, both fantastic players. He's still young. I think it's a, obviously a great contract. I'm a little surprised that the Saints even had this money to dish out considering right. they haven't had any money. But yeah, just a great player. I think it's a good signing. Jen, your thoughts? You're spot on, Mitch. There's not a lot I can add. It's going to be really important, though, with that quarterback transition to make sure that that O-line is solid. You know, look at, let's use your boy Brady again. When you switch over the offense, the reads are not as fast. Right. And it could be 0.1 of a second. This is not dogging anybody out, but it's still learning how to command a new offense. And that line becomes your wall of protection. Again, we know I love Baker Baker, the commercial maker. And I tell you all the time, he should write love letters to his offensive line on a daily basis because his success is directly related yeah. to their ability to put that princess on a freaking pedestal and not have her get knocked off, right? Like that is so much of it. And as Kansas City taught us, you don't know how valuable it is until you don't have it. You don't want people noticing your O-line all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what that was, right? Like you want them to be a wall. They are selfless guys by nature. You don't want them in the spotlight because guess what? Just like a cornerback, oftentimes when they're in the spotlight, it's because it was not good. So absolutely solidify that offensive line. You are handing the keys of the kingdom to one of the most iconic franchises in the National Football League 
over to the next generation and the next generation's success in this one will be directly related to the offensive line because not only is it just in protecting him, but we need that run game. We yep. need that run game to be solid. So again, defenses have to respect it. I want Alvin Kamara to be giving them whiplash with his dreads so that they say, <laughs> oh man, we can't do that again. We've got to stack the box. He's getting big holes. You have then defenders, particularly the linebackers, right? We always say who's going to bite on the cheese. We want Alvin Kamara putting up those seven touchdowns so that the defenses have to play that strong. And then guess what? They're not dedicating as many resources to the pass game. And that means we can get Jameis Winston rolling. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Taysom Hill can catch some balls. Go ahead for it. Stunt double. Good jobs, Saints. Houdat Nation. Houdat said they're going to block that D-line. You're exactly right. I mean, Drew Brees, that transition from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston, it's going to be not only two different quarterbacks with two different skill sets. And this is the thing with the offensive line. You can't expect Jameis to get rid of the ball as quickly as Drew Brees and, and the recognition of pre-snap ability of Drew Brees being in this offense for so long. And that's really his trait of, of greatness. And then you transition into the new offense, which is going to be more downfield passing, right? That's Jameis Winston's trait. That's what he can do. Drew Brees wasn't doing that at the end of his career. So having that extra second of protection is very important. And lastly, I would just say like, I know it hasn't worked out for them so far, but learning from Bill Belichick, Last year, he franchised Joe Tooney because he understood that they needed to keep the offensive line intact. They lost him this offseason, but they traded for Trent Brown. Obviously, they've spent a lot of priority on their offensive line, which we've talked about as one of the better ones in the league. And that transition from Brady to the next guy, Cam and Mac Jones, is also going to fall on the offensive line. So I think when you go from a Breeze or a Brady to a Winston and, and you have to transition with the quarterback that doesn't understand the offense as well, you need good protection. So Ryan Ramscheck back with the saints for the next five years. Hopefully the saints can maintain their greatness that they've really had for the last decade. Plus Stefan Gilmore, my guy, Stefan Gilmore. I don't want to see him go Jen. I get it. Gilmore needs more money. Just like rounders pay the man his pay money, that but man, his money. But I asked you for the Oreos. I guess you don't have any Oreos, but I do think Stefan Gilmore needs some more money. He actually commented to get this thing going a little bit. The Gilly Lock on Twitter, he said, oh, okay, to the highest paid DBs in the NFL. So there's this picture, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Tredavious White, Darius Slay. Uh, the list goes on and on, Byron Jones, etc. So Stefan Gilmore since getting to New England, I would say, has been the best corner consistently in the league. Last year, you probably concede that to Jalen Ramsey, but, you know, Gilmore had some injury issues. We understand that he's getting a little bit older now. I think he's going into, like, his 30s. But he's been so important to the Patriots' defense, winning a Super Bowl there, the key play in the Super Bowl with the interception, even that AFC Championship the year before, batting the ball down. So he's done quite a bit with the New England Patriots already, and I do think he deserves a raise. I, I do say, hey, Gilmore deserves more, but will he get it from Bill Belichick is the question. Now, Bill has been freewheeling and dealing and spending money. He is traditionally not spending money with guys to the tail end of their career. And he has right. a, you know, basically like a, this is what I will pay you line. And it will be interesting to see, seeing as how, you know, he just lost his Super Bowl champion quarterback, Tom Brady, I think, to some of those money moves, which 
you could get away with when you are a dynasty, but can you get away with them when you didn't make playoffs last year? I don't think you have the same Patriots mystique over you'll take less money because we are who we are. So it's almost like that spell has been broken of like, oh yes, we'll do it because we must be here. And I think there's going to have to be some relationship repair in order to say like, hey, you need leaders. I'm one of the leaders. And yes, you need those guys on defense. And he is one of them. Again, they are not easy to find certain positions. You can find uh, a little bit easier than others. Now, this is not one of them. Shutdown corner is very hard to find. It, and you can name them, right? Yeah. And there's a reason you can name them. Shut down corners, change the dynamics of your entire defense. If you can take one big receiver out and minimize his impact, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get some, mm-hmm. right? Like that's impossible. They know where they're going. These guys don't. But if you can minimize one of their big weapons, then you start looking at how you marshal resources to deal with the other ones, right? Like, do we need to have this one cut coverage? Do we have a Tampa two corner on this? Are we running like, you know, the split coverages where we're just locked down backside trips by, you know, three by one, we can have a lot of different conversations. If you don't have that lockdown corner, your defense is at the mercy of opposing offenses. And if you don't pay him, First of all, you're going to have problems with everybody looking around and say, who does actually matter to this team? And then they start asking, like, is this the organization that really values me or do they value each other? And then if it becomes a like a sharks in the water, you're going to lose a lot of talent. And then that Patriots way, that Patriots mystique that they've had so long, it goes by the wayside. Yeah, Jen. So you asked, who are they paying? So Gilmore has a base salary of $7 million. Again, referring to that picture, that is half of what Marcus Peters and Trey Waynes make. And Trey Wayne isn't even close to the no. caliber of Stephon Gilmore. So no. seven base salary. The Patriots have $14 million in cap space. So they certainly have enough to boost up another seven. Certainly could if they wanted to. Now, their highest paid player in base salary is a tie between Devin McCourty and Dante Hightower. Dante Hightower didn't play last year. He was on the COVID list, so he's come back. So those are leaders from their dynasty uh, on defense they'll have back. The thing that I think is so crucial to this conversation, they are in win-now mode right now. They're not waiting around. They've literally spent more money than anyone else this offseason. So to literally remove your best player from your team, if you're going to trade him, or he's going to sit out is suicidal. This defense has the capacity to be the the best defense in the league if everyone's there with Gilmore. But without him, you become a questionable team of what you're going to do this season. Right. You're essentially having an identity crisis. That stability needs to be there. And you need to reward the guy who, you know, and you know how I feel about the COVID list. It's a personal preference. I don't hold it against them. But I also do hold the players in high regard that put their personal safety at risk for the good of the team. And so, yes, you get those guys back and that's great, but they haven't been there in a year. So to get that consistency of leadership and that person who's been your consistent leader on the defense, pay that man his money. 
Yeah, I think the last thing I have to say about this situation is Bill Belichick specifically and the way that he likes to run defense, their defense has always been at its best with one shutdown corner. You know, you go back to the early 2000s of Ty Law and then you go all the way to Darrell Revis, Gilmore Tlaib was there. So whenever they've been at their best, they've had that guy. Now you could look at JC Jackson, who's also a very good corner, but how good can it be with both of them there? So, right. And I think that that's where you're seeing the shift of what happened when you could see that Tom Brady could leave and go somewhere else. I mean, for a long time, Mitch, that was inconceivable. Now people are saying, okay, it's my time. If Tommy's going to go and get another Super Bowl and get his money, like you're either going to give me my money or I am going to take my services elsewhere because not everybody is cutting their salary so that we can keep the band together. So, you know, right now, Bill needs to win. He's not on the hot seat to get fired. That's not what we're saying. (laughs) What we're saying is he is having legacy questions. And this is one of the greatest football minds of all time. So he needs to come back in a big, big way at least get back into playoffs and really look respectable. You don't have to get in the Super Bowl this year, but you can't miss playoffs. And so you also can't let your superstars go out of the door and you don't have a valid argument because you still have cap space. Right. I'll just say like, okay, let's say if the Patriots don't re-sign him for whatever reason and they do decide to trade him. Let's throw a few teams out there that you think could use the services of one Stephon Gilmore. All of them. All of them. Except That's for maybe the point. Minnesota Vikings, because they've been collecting corners this well, year. Okay, yeah, the Vikings, I, I think at this point, have, have gone a little far. I mean, they've added like five, six corners. So right. I well, think they, they don't need him. one, they, they would be a little redundant. Him. I know one team. I don't think should, the Broncos Should I throw them out there? Either. Because they're your favorite team yes, in the please. league. Uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks? <laughs> yeah, I don't Seahawks. think they, here's the problem with the Seahawks, though. I don't think they have any money, and I don't think they have any picks. So I don't know how that's going to work but they certainly could use him. Um, oh, you know why they need him? Because they don't have a D-line to put any pressure on the other quarterbacks. <laughs> so, yes, you need lockdown corners because they're going to have to cover for, like, 75 seconds because yeah, nobody exactly. needs pressure on the quarterback, especially if they don't get their safety who led the team in Sasha Jamal Adams back on their roster. So, yes, they could use him, but also I'd rather they picked up a D-lineman. Okay. And they I'm don't just going to take a look at the cap space right now to see yeah. if there's some teams – but it, it, I think Gilmore also, I don't know what Gilmore thinks or what he wants, but like, I look at a team like the Chargers, they have $19 million. They're a team on the rise. And of course they have Brandon Staley now as their head coach who had Jalen Ramsey. So it'd make a lot of sense for them to bring in a guy like Gilmore as they're transitioning their defense. 49ers have needed a corner for quite some time. They have $17 million in cap space, and that's really their only weakness on their entire team. Uh, A lot of teams or a lot of people have thrown out the Browns, but it feels like they've kind of fixed that over the course of the offseason with their secondary. So it doesn't really make so much sense. At the top, you have the Jags, obviously. The Jets, that's not going to happen. The Broncos, they're good at that position. The Lions, they're not in position to trade for anybody. Like Then you get to the teams under the Patriots in salary, like the Colts. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the the Vikings. Falcons could be a smart one. Yeah, Falcons could use some help on defense. They were they you could. Know, they're going to be pretty dominant on offense. The games that slipped away last year were defensive losses. 
and they are trying to really refresh that team. I, I would like the Falcons. Here's my problem with that is I feel well, like it would have happened to go to a waste of space place, right? Like, yeah, Stefan, like, don't get your money and then go somewhere where you're going to be like, yeah, like, I don't want him to go to the Jags, like, personally. That's just me. Right. Um, the Steelers. Steelers could use him. They're in win-now mode, and yep. they need corners. So yep. that would really make – I know their defense was already good. They've lost a couple players in the secondary. That would mm -hmm. put them right back in the conversation as the best defense in the league. So that would be really interesting. Cardinals. What do you think about the Cardinals? They have $11 million in cap. Cardinals would be very smart to invest that $11 million in cap – to take us to Fawn Gilmore, right? You lost your rock at corner, letting Pat P go to the Vikings, who are obviously collecting corners. When Pat P is now making Justin Jefferson even better. So you're going to need that guy. You've got Buda Baker and some of those guys in the secondary, and you're going to get a lot of pressure from that front with Chandler Jones and, you know, JJ and Marcus. So if you could put a guy like that locking down half the field, it's going to get even uglier, right? You already know that I think that's a team on the rise. Yeah. Um, it's one of the ones that could, you know, as we said, they could fly Cardinals fly or they could flap themselves into exhaustion, right? Like they could fall flat, but I think they are a team on the rise. You put a guy like that into the loss of what I would say was Patrick P for your steady Eddie at corner could be a really nice move. Going down the list, continuing at the bills. That's not going to happen. The Ravens, that's not going to happen. The Seahawks, yeah, 8 million. Chiefs, uh, that's not going to happen. Titans, probably not, although they could maybe use him. How about this one, Jen? The Los Angeles Rams, 6 million in cap space. They have Jalen Ramsey. They went all in on Matthew Stafford. I don't know if they have any picks, but that would just be amazing, I think. If you could put Stephon Gilmore... <laughs> And Jalen Ramsey locking down both, I mean, nasty, nasty, yeah. nasty coverage. And then you put Donald disrupting. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of turnovers. They, they actually might look like they were trying to play, you know, shut down defense. I was going to lastly throw the Cowboys out, but I just don't think the Cowboys are interested in, in recruiting a corner just based on Dan Quinn's history of defense. I, I don't think like Gilmore doesn't really fit the defense, but I mean, they definitely need defense. So Look, Mitch, them Cowboys had no D last <laughs> year. It was the Alice Alboys. It was painful to watch. I mean, it was just atrocious, but the truth is that like looking at it last year, it was almost like, you know, you have a dam that's springing like one hole and two holes and three holes. And you're trying to like, like, it's like the old school cartoon. We don't actually know enough on what that Dallas defense is going to look like to know where they really need to bring other guys in, right? Obviously, they've made huge improvements, first of all, in getting rid of the coordinator. Now we have Dan Quinn. I mean, you essentially have a head coach for the defense now, and there's going to be a lot of changes. I just don't think we've seen enough, and we do know what he's done historically, and you're very correct on that. We don't know enough to know where they need to invest to bring in another big guy. I think yeah. you'll, you'll know a lot more about them throughout the season in free agency, and maybe they'll see it in camp early, but I don't think that for me, that's not the place that I want Stephon Gilmore to go. And number two, I don't think they know themselves well enough to say that's the move that we go all in with.
The 2021 NFL season is just around the corner. It's going to get here sooner than you think. And we're going to have some players and some teams that have bounce back years. We do every year, and it's usually some of the best stories we get all season long. Jen, we're going to let's do three teams that you think had a bad year last year that have the potential to have a good year this year. Good can be subjective. It could be make the playoffs. It could be win the Super Bowl. It could be win seven games. Who is a bounce back candidate for you? So I've got four for you for different reasons. Number one, I've talked about them a lot. 49ers, they were uncharacteristically bad because of injuries and situations, right? They were displaced from their home at one time. You know, I remember when they played Washington, it was like, oh, look, the team with no name is playing the team with no home. COVID (laughs) displaced them for a month after being subjected to just injury after injury after injury and taking up a contender and making them look like a pretender. So I think 49ers bounce back because they just brought a lot of those pieces back to Together. The next one I'm really interested in is the Alice Owlboys. They I, want, I was gonna, yeah, they're definitely one. Painful, right? I want to see if dim boys can become dim men this season because they boys did like little boys, right? Do we have boys to men? So will we have the cowboys go boys to men? Of course, okay. we have your guys up in New England. Dollar dollar bill has been spending his money. Hopefully he will spend a little bit more to keep Stefan Gilmore, but they won't miss the playoffs this year. They'll be back in action and they'll kind of recommend like, it'll be like, Oh, have you forgotten? Say my name. And then the last one that I think we have to respect because of Trevor Lawrence. Oh, is the Jaguars can't be as terrible as they were last year. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be the turnaround team of the decade and Urban Meyer is going to come in and take them to a championship. Slow your roll, big posse. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that they will not be as terrible as they were before. That's a lot of my choices personally. So to go through a few teams myself that I think, I don't know if you would necessarily, because those are like true bounce back teams because they're like, they had one bad year sort of thing. So like, I'm trying to, I guess I'll try to find some teams where it's more like bounce back, but it's kind of a little longer term sort of thing. For me, let's start with a team in the NFC South, because I do think there's going to be one other team that's good. Now the saints wouldn't be one because the saints were good last year. So they're not a bounce back. The Carolina Panthers, I think, are a potential bounce-back team. They quietly added a lot of players to their defense this offseason. I think they're going to be exponentially better on that side of the ball. We've seen Matt Rule kind of have a history as a coach from the college level to the now the pro level. I like uh, Joe Brady a lot as their offensive coordinator. Sam Darnold, I think, is going to be solid. I like the offense. Christian McCaffrey's back. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I think they've got a good offense. I wouldn't be shocked if this was somewhat a wild card team in the NFC. I do really think they can take that sort of step. At the very least, they'll be better than they were last year. And they haven't really quite been good since Cam was healthy there. I think they'll be a fun team to watch. Right. I remember, I think it was like their first, well, it had to be their first game. There was something where they had like 11 penalties or they had 11 Emmys. Like there was something really bad on defense. Like it was a, it was 11 something of terrible. And I just remember being like, oh, you can't win that way. But yet they weren't so far out of it considering that. Like I was like, ooh, 
if they could get that fixed, right? Like, so it was one of those things where I'm like, ooh, that's really sloppy, but you're coming off COVID, you're talking new the stuff. The thing with their defense last year, they surprised me how good they were last year. Yeah. Their defense, like when you looked at them on paper last year, it's like, who are these guys? And then right. they got, they coached them up and they played well. That's another reason for them to be, to be much better. Cause now you would say they have actual talent there, <laughs> I guess. Now a team that I think is very similar to the Panthers and the AFC is the Chargers because the Chargers were really good like a couple of years ago, but they've been kind of bad recently. And this year, I think they're more of a breakout candidate than a bounce back candidate sort of thing. But I look at them and I say, this is their year to take a significant step forward. Same thing with the Panthers, new, new coaching regime, although it's the first year. I'm a big believer in, in Brandon Staley as the head coach. I'm a big believer in Justin Herbert. I like what they've done with the offensive line. I think the defensive talent is there. They've always been a roster that's been known as being very talented. They just haven't been able to put it all together. So I look at the Chargers as kind of the equivalent to the Panthers in each conference. But a true bounce back candidate to me is the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Minnesota Vikings are a huge bounce back candidate because they're a true bounce back candidate. They were a playoff team two years ago. They took a step back last year. Last year at this time, I remember saying, Vikings fans, you're going to be mad at me because I'm going to say you're going to miss the playoffs because now you have all these young players that you're having to replace with veteran known commodities. But next year, you'll be back. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. They've gotten those proven commodities now back in the secondary on the defensive line. I mean, their best defensive player is back. Daniil Hunter didn't play all last year. Michael Pierce, Patrick Peterson, all these guys on the defense. And then offensively, their offensive line from the draft is improved. Obviously, they have Cousins and Jefferson and Thielen and Cook. So they're a team that I think will be actually quietly one of the better teams in their conference this year, I think. I'm really that high on the Vikings. I agree. And it's a must win year for them in terms of where they've been in terms of the yeah. talent that they've collected and you see them doing that now. Uh, I think they could successfully run dime coverage throughout the year with the collection of cornerbacks and secondary that they have. Yeah. This is the one thing that I just kind of wonder, are you guys expecting to run dime coverage on the regular or are you Maybe. trying to say that we have, well, if they have to play the bucks, Right. I think nickel's probably a better bet, but you know, we could see dime at that rate with the talent that they've been collecting. Maybe they see uh, one of their safeties playing a little bit of a, a Jamal Adams role, kind of throwing that up. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll mix some people in and how they challenge the box, but I will be interested to see what they do on the defensive side of the ball. And yes, they are, they are stacking talent and I cannot, like we talked about Justin Jefferson a little bit in the beginning, but being on the field with him, He's a special guy and you can see it in the little things, in the movement, in the energy, even how he said, like, it's a ballsy move to have literally stolt, as I told him, you stolt the rookie receiving record from Anquan Bolden, right? <laughs> he was 1377. You took him down with 1400 and he's like, yeah, I stolt it coach. I said, you did. And now you're calling out one of the best because you are one of those LSU Tigers and I I will take a tiger by the tail and put him on my team every day 
because of the special guys I've had the opportunity to be on the field with. Every time I'm around one of those LSU Tigers, there's really something special. And his older brothers had played with Pat P. And that's kind of why he knew that this was the guy to go to, to put more tools in your tool chest. So you have a guy like that and then you put him with Thielen. And oh, by the way, you have Delvin Cook, which means we can't just say we're going to stop Thielen. We're going to stop Justin Jefferson. You have one of the most dominant running backs in the game and Kirk Cousins who can go. I think we forget about Kirk Cousins sometimes in talking about those top tier quarterbacks, but yeah. he has the ability with weaponry around him to start putting up those audacious numbers, um, yeah. which I, which I love. Um, I did see one of the questions come in there. Jen, your um, cards from coach. Right. Lasser. Coach Laxer about my cards. I don't think of them again as a necessarily bounce back team, which is what we're talking about right now. But I do think that they will be a team to watch. They have the potential this year to be quite explosive. We talked about um, them being a potential landing spot for Stephon Gilmore. If you Mm -hmm. put him in there, they go from this could be one of the best to really being tough to handle. So I like the cards, but I don't think of them as one of the quote unquote bounce back teams. Although yeah, they're more kind of to me, like if you had to give them a, a name, it would be breakout team because they haven't really had the breakout yet with Kyler Murray. It's the same thing I was talking about kind of with the Chargers. I agree, but I am excited to see what they do this year. And let's go back to the Chargers because they were knocking on the door of the Chiefs. They were yeah. challenging Tampa Bay. I mean, no, they didn't put it all together to get those wins. But I remember starting to be like, wait a minute. Yeah, okay. like. Herbert's like first start went to overtime versus the Chiefs. Right. They're good. And their defense was really pretty dominant. Now they did lose my dude Perryman. I hated to see them let him go. But I think that the Chargers, especially under a new regime who, you know, I love that move of like, we stole your coach from right across the town, right? This could end up being a real crosstown rivalry because he's been in that meeting room, right? You talk about, and now granted, it had to be executed by Jared Goff, not Matt Stafford. So it's a lot different, but he knows how Sean McVay thinks. They've yeah. been out on the field facing each other time after time. So this little LA could be like worse than Bloods versus Crips. I wish the they played more. That's the I only know. thing. I know. And it's probably smart that they don't, but um, it, it could start to get bloody in terms of a rivalry. Like when you when you dig in and steal somebody's coach um, and you've been in those meeting rooms and you're in the same city, you're in the same stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just looking at the Chargers again, first round, Rashawn Slater, who we love, you know, Corey Lindsley at center, who they added, uh, getting Derwin James back, who missed the whole year, who's an absolute stud, getting, oh, Austin Eckler, who missed like six, seven games last year, who's their running back. They've added a lot of pieces. Asante Samuel Jr., who I really liked at corner in the second round. So they have a nice blend of young youth and also some veteran experience with guys like Keenan Allen and Jared Cook at tight end. Let's move on to some players to wrap up here. Some potential bounce back candidates. I'll give you maybe three and I'll take three. I'm going to go with my number one, Jameis Winston. Okay. I got to start there because Jameis has been in quarterback school for the last year and 
He has had the opportunity to learn the offense with Sean Payton, sit in the rooms with Drew Brees. It's going to be a big year for Jameis. And I think you'll see Taysom Hill use pretty smart in a smart way too mm-hmm. to compliment. I don't actually see him not being in the mix kind of in the same way he was with Drew Brees on some of that. Like, you know, Jameis is a big arm, big guy, but I'm not putting him as you know, my dynamic run play guy, I might sub him out even some goal line stuff with Taysom. I think you could have some fun with it. So I think that they could be really creative in there. And I look to Sean Payton to do that. Um, And I'm going to stick with another number one. I'm going to go with Cam Newton up in New England. Now, I don't, I I do, I have heard the things about Mac Jones and will he be there, but I don't think it's going to be his job right away, even though Mac Jones is looking good. But Cam Newton has a lot to prove. This is make it or break it. It it is kind of for both of them, but Cam was under center last year and Jameis wasn't. So Mm -hmm. Cam, you had flashes of brilliance. We all know the guy that you can be. I mean, now with a year under his belt with Josh McDaniels, not having COVID, um, actually getting a lot of the components back to the Patriots. So it's not just, hey, Cam, let's put the whole team on your shoulders and you have to be Superman. I think he'll be expected to do a little less and his defense will be back in the position where they're giving him great field position. They're doing a lot of that stuff. And then Cam really gets to come into his own. And we know that the Patriots have a chip on their shoulders. So let's look for that to be really all over the play of Cam Newton and not because it's just him, but because it doesn't have to be just him this year. I think there were times when literally last year it was like Cam's the man and Cam has to do everything and he wasn't there yet. So this year he'll actually be asked to do a little less, which means he'll have the chance to do a whole lot more. And then I'm also going to go, I'm going to go one more quarterback with you. I think we'll see not that he will do it on his own, Jimmy G, but he will have the weaponry around him with the 49ers back in play to not be terrible this year. That's a big compliment. He won't be terrible. He won't be terrible. I mean, like (laughs) he was bad last year. Yeah, he was bad bad last year, but you also took all of all of the things that, you know, made them great, which was this dominant run game, this, this fullback tight end down your throat. And then when we get you off balance, we're expecting, you know, you come up and we're, we're able to use some of those other weapons and make passes. They didn't have that. So it was a little bit of a toothless tiger last year. So by putting those weapons back around him, Jimmy, again, will be asked to do less and he will in, in, as a result, be able to do more. Fair enough. My three. Let's start with continuing my Panthers theme with Sam Darnold. Okay, so Sam Darnold is going to be a bounce back this year. Bounce back in the sense that I think this will be his best season as a pro he's ever had. I think when you look at the situation around him, it's better at every level from coaching, head coach and offensive coordinator to the offensive line to the running game and the running back, the receivers, all of it, even the defense to some degree is better. I just think the talent around in Carolina is a lot better. And as you've been saying with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, and Cam Newton, he'll do less. I think he'll be forcing less. He'll, he won't be losing right away, having to force the ball into tight coverages and throwing picks and that sort of thing. He'll be able to gain confidence. I think this system fits him well, and I think he'll be able to thrive there. Now for two and three, I'm going to get away from quarterback because Jen gave you three good quarterbacks. 
And yet there's a lot this year. There's, like, there's I, a lot. I mean, I could have added Carson Wentz as, as another example. I'm going to go with two of my favorite players in the NFL. So I think the Cleveland Browns are going to be phenomenal. One player that's coming back from injury is Odell Beckham Jr. And I think finally he's going to have his big year with the Browns this year. Uh, he, was, oh, he looks pretty good in his workouts, running real fast. So I think Odell will be back for camp, back healthy. And I think this team now, now that he's seen how good they can be without him, it's going to motivate him to be great with him. And then lastly, another guy who plays in New York or played in New York, that's Saquon Barkley, another one of my favorite players. He is back from injury as well with the Giants. I think the Giants, I know Jen doesn't agree because she doesn't love Daniel Jones. I think they might have a good year this year. I'm not exactly sold, but I, I can see them taking that step forward. And I think Saquon has to be a big part of that. And I just want to see him back healthy, consistently putting on a show in that backfield. So those are my three bounce back candidates for 2021. I'm going to say I absolutely cannot wait to see Saquon Barkley back because he makes me actually want to tune into that team. And so again, like he hasn't been there, so he's definitely going to be better. It makes all of New York better because Daniel Jones needs him, right? Have I'm you not seen, by the way, have you seen the numbers in comparison with Daniel Jones without Saquon and Daniel Jones with Saquon? It's actually staggering the difference between how good Daniel Jones is with Saquon and without Saquon. And here's the thing, right? Like it, it also goes to what defenses have to do when we say we've got to pick our poison of what we're going to take away. Mm -hmm. Every defense has a way that they're going to attack the offense. And so guess what? You take Saquon Barkley out of the equation and you just took away one of their biggest weapons and we don't really have to look at stopping the run game so we can completely focus on stopping a subpar quarterback. All right, there you have it. The bounce back candidates for 2021. Let us know your bounce back candidates on social media, where you can find us at the juke pod on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, make sure you give us a little follow or a subscription on YouTube or on Twitch. We will be here every single week live on Wednesday. And we got a lot of exciting stuff planned for the summer leading into the season. So thanks for watching. It's going to be so much fun. It is. It's going to be so much fun. You better like, subscribe, follow, do all of that for all of us. Mitch, as always, it has been a pleasure. Stop yep. trying to look like Zach Wilson. Or I guess I should. He's call trying him. to look like me. I was going to say, I guess I should call him and say, hey, stop trying to bite my guy Mitch's style. Maybe that's the call I need to make later today. Please. Please.